Around the world, millions of people are calling for decriminalization, regulation, the end of prohibition. Let us investigate the century of lies. God had long hair and a goatee, and if his eyes were pretty glazed, if he looked spaced out, would you buy his story? Would you believe he had an eye in? And yeah, yeah, God looks fake. Yeah, yeah, God smells good. Yeah, 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 yeah. What if God smoke cannabis? It's a bomb like some of us. tolerance, right? Well, maybe. We're going to find out soon. We have today as our guest Reverend Eddie Lepp, who just had his uh, world's largest bust. The case was dismissed on December 12th, and we'll be talking to him. We'll also hear from uh, Mr. Tony King, going to talk about some problems he had with the Texas authorities trying to put together a whacking day event here in the city park. And uh, we'll also hear from Mr. Howard Wildridge, who'll give us a report on what's going on in Washington, D.C., and uh, a couple of New England states where he's working to change the drug laws. But let's go ahead and get to that interview with Reverend Eddie Lepp. Well, I recently got a message from uh, Mr. Eddie Lepp and his uh, uh, friends in ministry out there in California, and it seems they've had a uh, uh, at least an initial success uh, against the U.S. government uh, Mr. Eddie Lepp, please tell us what's going on out there. Uh, we went to uh, court uh, Tuesday in front of uh, the Honorable Judge Patel, and uh, she suppressed all evidence taken in the 2004 raid due to a uh, officially uh, 
the warrants completely uh, on the face of it was wrong. So she dismissed all of the, the evidence from that warrant, which means they'll have to, uh, ultimately they will dismiss all of those charges, and that should also put an end to the asset forfeiture uh, case against that property. Uh, so it's a major success. The uh, largest single marijuana bust in the history of the DEA just went up in smoke. And, and let's talk about the uh, the magnitude. Uh, what, what was it they said they found on the property? Uh, 32,524 plants. Uh, they estimated it to be worth about uh, 130 to 150 million. But, you know, who knows? Well, yeah, their estimates are always uh, fairly exaggerated, I, I must say. But but uh, let's talk about that. That This is a result of a, a Frank's hearing, and as I understand it, it's kind of a, uh, a well, mechanism. No. Actually, this wasn't a Frank's hearing. This no. was just a hearing on the warrants. The hearing on the 9th of January uh, over the 05 warrants will actually be a Frank's hearing. Okay. And, and, and what they found was is that as... Uh, I'm not going to say per usual, but as uh, happens all too often, they made a mistake in their uh, analysis, in their uh, uh, procedures, and they, well, they, they messed up the warrant. Well, in the first one, uh, basically all they did was they had my name, the judge's signature, and my address on the warrant, which basically was carte blanche for them to come in and rape us, which is exactly what they did. And the judge, of course, found that to be illegal and wrong and, and withheld all of that evidence. On the second warrant, the warrant on the 05 case, uh, they've got a lot of problems with that also. They have the, uh, you know, uh, poison fruit theory, which is the original warrant was poison and went to the wayside. Uh, the second warrant they got as a result of the first warrant. So it's poison fruit also, so it should go away. But they also have a lot of other problems with it. Uh, the pictures that they used to convince the magistrate that I was growing marijuana aren't even pictures of my property. They're pictures of one of my neighbors who had an outdoor garden. There was no marijuana on my property at all being grown outdoors. And they're claiming that they saw marijuana growing openly outdoors, and that's why they came in the second time, which is not true because what they claim was marijuana was on a neighbor's property so they're going to have a lot of trouble explaining how they took a picture of somebody else's garden to get a warrant out for me uh, once again they've they've shown their true nature they're just out to uh, demonize and uh, assuming that the courts would allow them to get away with anything well the problem is is that they're cowboys they really are uh, these guys are, are gangsters with badges. Uh, they operate under the color of law and not under the law. Uh, they stole $3,000 in cash from us uh, in the 05 raid and, uh, you know, claimed they had no, never saw it. Well, you know, it was right there. We know they took it. They know they took it. But they steal money. They wantonly destroy property. Uh, they exceed the scope and limit of their search warrants uh, every time, and the way they treat people uh, is absolutely despicable. Uh, we're not criminals at all, and we were treated like we had been convicted of, of molesting children and stealing from the church, and we did nothing. 
uh, I can only imagine how they treat people that that really are bad people. Uh, it, these these men are out of control. Uh, this incident has proven to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that this war is not against drugs. It's against the poor and underprivileged of this country and is meant strictly to keep them in line. And it's it has to stop. It just absolutely has to stop. This war on drugs is just simply a war on the American people. And and let's uh, let's talk about the reason you you were growing these plants. You were you were not hiding. You oh, were no, we were growing them right the, with Highway 20, the main uh, east-west artery in Northern California, run right through the garden, and we were doing it through the ministry uh, for patients. That was one of the the prerequisites that I kind of held to was in order for people to belong to the ministry and be able to grow their own marijuana on the ministry property, they had to have a valid California uh, recommendation from a doctor for the entire period that they were involved with the ministry. And we figured that, that this was a way to protect everybody uh, by you know, using the church as the way to allow them to grow. We were protected by the Religious Freedoms Restoration Act. But uh, basically, we figured that with the protection afforded us under the, the Religious Freedoms Restoration Act as a ministry, and the fact that all of the members had valid California recommendations that we would, you know, be legal above and beyond anything imaginable. And in fact, it's turned out to, to be just the opposite. Uh, they're trying to use the fact that we were helping patients. Uh, they're trying to, to misconstrue that into we were, you know, selling dope to tens of thousands of people, which is not what happened because we never have sold marijuana. All we've ever done is allow a place for people to grow their own plants. So it's going to be real interesting. Indeed it is. Now, I think you guys are at the forefront of uh, this cannabis ministry, but there are several others around the, the country and around the world. Uh, actually, we're part of a, a membership of Christian-based uh, cannabis ministries uh, that uh, I believe we have 30 to 40 members worldwide right now. There's 30 or 40 different cannabis churches uh, worldwide that are a member of the, the United Cannabis Ministries. And uh, the, the thought, you're, you're in California, which does allow for the medicinal use, uh, oh, yeah. doctor's recommendation. And, and yet, if we, we look at the first page of the Bible, God created these herbs of the field for the benefit of mankind. They have been medicine. They have been sacrament from the beginning, have they not? Uh, yes, and that's, that's very easily provable by, again, not a bunch of hippies from the 60s. Uh, this is provable by some of the most learned, most knowledgeable experts in our explorations back 100 and 150 years ago, before this was ever an issue, when they first really started doing archaeology and really finding all of these lost civilizations and everything else. Every civilization that they have ever found every major civilization they have ever found. They have found evidence of cannabis in both all of the royal chambers and in all of the spiritual chambers or religious areas. And this is in every one of them ever found, from the Mayans to the, you know, clear back through the ancient Hebrews, 
the Catholic Church used cannabis as their holy incense until 1188. I mean, it's it's rampant in every religion, and the history is rich and beautiful with the the use of the sacred plant. Now, Eddie, this is uh, uh, far from over at this point. As I understand it, this coming January 2007, you guys are going before uh, the the judge again. And uh, it, tell us what you can, uh, what you foresee at that event. Well, I believe it's January 9th. And what I foresee actually is the second warrant being dismissed just like the first one. The issue on the second one was that they did, in fact, serve the warrant, and it was filled out much better than the first one. The second one, however, uh, and that's the reason this is a Franks hearing, because it's not factually wrong on the face. We have to have a Franks hearing to, to explain what is wrong. And it's like I said, it's the fruit from the, the poison tree, and it's also the fact that they used pictures of somebody else's garden to convince the magistrate I was growing marijuana. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things. Uh, on the second warrant, uh, the alleged sale is also involved in that. And when we finally got a copy of the tape, they, they allege is a sales tape. Uh, all that is is one of their officers demeaning and bad-mouthing the federal government for 15 minutes trying to convince me that he has evidence that if I will help him get a pound, will set me free. I mean, it's the most open and shut case of entrapment imaginable. And then, on top of that, there's not one word in the entire tape where I ever said I would sell them anything. In fact, I said just the opposite on three occasions. I have nothing. I have no marijuana. The federal government took everything I have. I can't help you. I might have a friend that can help you, but I can't do a thing for you. And then after the tapes at the end, it says, uh, Mr. Lepp has left, Mr. Lepp is not here, he's gone home, and you hear one of the officers counting out money, supposedly, in the background, and supposedly the fact he's counting out money in the background after they've said I left proves that there was a sale, and that's all they have. So they've got a lot of problems with the second warrant, and I really, in all honesty, foresee the second warrant going the same as the first warrant. It's just going to take a little longer and be a little more involved. The first warrant was dismissed after about 15 minutes. As I understand it, uh, your wife Linda has started her own ministry. You have the Reverend Tom Brown working with you out there as well. They have not diminished your uh, stance, your uh, position on this, uh, the right to use cannabis as medicine and as sacrament. Uh, uh, any closing thoughts you'd like to relay to the audience? Well, you know, everybody, uh, you know, always tells me I got balls that I need a front loader to move around because all I do. But in all honesty, the, the one with the big balls here really is my wife, Linda. Uh, she's facing death, uh, from inoperable cancer. Uh, and even though that was going on, uh, she had the courage to go ahead and form her own ministry because we tried doing it through mine, and that's the second arrest actually was the result of us trying to do through my ministry what Linda ended up doing with hers, which was she started her own ministry. She has gone down with the help of the Reverend Tom Brown, 
and they have filed formal suit against the DEA and the Attorney General uh, seeking a full and permanent injunction barring the DEA from ever coming into the church grounds and raiding us over our religious use of cannabis in sacrament again. And she is facing this uh, in an immense amount of pain on a day-to-day basis. She's taking ungodly amount of, of medication, uh, trying to get every day of life out of it that she can. And even though she's battling this, this heinous disease, uh, she's nonetheless fighting the federal government even harder. And uh, it's firmly our belief that their actions are the direct results leading up to Linda's death. Because we've had two of her doctors tell us that had she not been subjected to the stress that she's been subjected to, it's questionable as to whether or not the cancer would have ever developed. But they are both firmly convinced that the stress that she has been through the last two or three years uh, is directly attributable to her death. And that's sad, because that means the United States government is responsible for killing my wife. Eddie, uh, if folks want to learn more about your ministry, about what's going on out there in your case, uh, please point them where they need to go on the web. Uh, they can go to eddiesmedicinalgardens.com, and they can get a hold of me on MySpace, uh, Eddie Lepp, E-D-D-Y-L-E-P-P, or they can simply type my name into any search engine, and it lights up like three sevens at Vegas, so I'm pretty easy to find. All right, Mr. Eddie Lepp, uh, we, we appreciate your time. We wish you the very best, and uh, please uh, send our wishes to your wife. Well, I certainly will, and, and thank you all so much for caring enough to call us and, and listen and, and be involved. We think this is truly something that, that can and will change the world, and the more support that we have, the more people that will stand up with us, the easier it will be to get the people in charge to realize that the little man, the common man, has had it, and that we're sick and tired of the shit levied on us simply because they have positions of power and more money than us. It's time we were truly, in fact, created uh, as God meant it to be equally in this country. It's time for the prejudiced and the rich-poor status to go away. Everybody's equal no matter how much money they got, and that's the way we should be treated. And hopefully we can change that around. Anyway, thanks again for calling. We really appreciate it. Well, how do you follow up that? Uh, luckily, we do have a report from a former law enforcement official, one of the founding members of law enforcement against prohibition. In fact, Mr. Howard Wildridge. This is Howard Wildridge, the uh, education specialist for LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, uh, stationed here in Washington, D.C. The thing I wanted to get into tonight was the uh, the difference between a conservative and a libertarian. As you may know, every year the Conservative Political Action Committee, CPAC, gets together at a fancy hotel in, in Washington to listen to speakers and, and formulate policy. And I went there last year wearing the T-shirt, Cops Say Legalized Drugs, Ask Me Why?, and about 35, 40 people asked me why, and I responded, and, and they, they were very disdainful of, of my response. And I'd say, look, I'm a conservative. I believe in liberty, privacy rights, and personal responsibility for adult use of drugs. And everyone shot back, 
you're not a conservative, you're a libertarian, like it was a four-letter word. And so we need to be careful of the uh, the concept of a conservative as a person who believes in, as I read here from a, a Dallas uh, con- congressman, that, re- that uh, conservatives believe in a principle of limited government, individual empowerment. You know, that's what they put down on paper, but of course, in reality, the conservatives gives you the government intrusion into the private affairs, like a Terry Schiavo case, or double double uh, uh, checking and making sure that uh, you are not having access to things like medical marijuana being an issue between doctor and patient. The interfere, of course, was with the state's initiatives to um, to make more humane our, our criminal justice laws, especially as it pertains to medical marijuana. So it's it's always an interesting thing that I'm looking forward in ten weeks to going back to it. You know, this week on the Hill, I, I ran into, a, a, of course, I had meetings with a number of staffers, and uh, for the first time, one of them wanted to talk to uh, uh, Dr. Watkins, one of our speakers uh, near Huntsville, Texas. Uh, he spent 30 years in corrections, and uh, I put that man in contact with someone on the Hill. It always gives me hope and and uh, a good feeling to know that that my presence on Capitol Hill and, and alerting folks there that there are now police officers and judges, prosecutors, prison wardens, etc., who do not support building more jails, are now uh, available to be consulted with, and if necessary, they will come to Washington, D.C. and testify before the United States Congress. Tomorrow, um, I'm going to Baltimore. There's going to be a statewide strategy conference to determine what type of new laws uh, Maryland can put on the books in 2007. It should be noted that Maryland was the only state out of 48 in in the alcohol prohibition, which did not did not enact any laws to help the federal government enforce its uh, policy of alcohol prohibition, and they have a huge Democratic majority here. Already, the the head of the Criminal Justice Committee in the House of Delegates, like the Texas uh, House of Representatives, uh, has said he is going to introduce a bill total decrim for personal amounts for adults from marijuana to heroin. And he's asked me to testify before his committee in favor and support of that particular piece of legislation. And I'm looking forward so much to 2007 because it is a year of uh, great hope and expectations. I want you to know that as much as I've had so many people over the years uh, after asking me about my T-shirt and saying, well, yeah, that's great, but it will never happen in our lifetime, remember, uh, don't be cynical. Make that phone ring at your state senator, your state rep, uh, your governor's office, your congressman's office, because uh, this is a, perhaps the best year coming up, 2007, to really have an impact on the local, state, and federal legislation as we now have uh, better people in office who are willing to listen to something besides the old uh, song of more prisons and more mandatory minimums. If I don't get a chance to talk to you later this year, Wishing you all the best of, of the season. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Howard Wildridge from Washington, D.C., out. Law enforcement against prohibition. These men and women have served in the trenches of the drug war as prosecutors, judges, cops, guards, and wardens. They have seen firsthand the utter futility of our policy and now work together to end drug prohibition. Please visit leap.cc. 
Okay, you longtime listeners of the Drug Truth Network are probably aware of Whacking Day. I tried to put together kind of a, an awards ceremony, if you will, to hand out a few hundred bucks to people across America who would be willing to put together a Whacking Day in their city park, you know, involving paper mache figures of politicians. Well, locally, uh, we had one guy who was going to do it. His name's Tony King. Most of you may remember him as Mr. K., who reported anonymously from the Harris County Jail and state facilities and talked about the uh, prison industrial complex and how it uh, just devoured people, especially if they had marijuana in their urine. Anyway, here's our interview with Mr. Tony King, Mr. K. This Christmas season, I'm glad to have back with us once again on the Drug Truth Network, Mr. K., Tony King. He's uh, recently gotten himself off of paper for the state of Texas, and he's with us at this time. Hello, Tony. Hello, Gene. It's good to be back. It's good to be out here, and it's good to be a free man and not have anybody looking over my shoulder. Well, I, I, I'm sure it must feel pretty good, Tony. Now, the, the fact is uh, your urine is no longer a consideration for the state of Texas. They can't send you back uh, no matter what may be in it. Is that right? Absolutely correct. It's nice to be free and nice to not have somebody looking over my shoulder every minute of the day. Now, over the years, you've reported to us from county jails, from state facilities. You've uh, shared with us the unvarnished truth about this drug war. Uh, but uh, just before the election, we had whacking day. Hopefully it was to go across America, but I got very few uh, takers on that. And you wanted to step up to the plate for uh, Harris County. Tell us what happened. Well, I talked with you recently just before that time about what was going to happen during Whacking Day and how we were going to handle it, and I was going to participate fully in what was going on here in Harris County. Somehow, the wind got back to the parole office, and I was given an anonymous call from the parole division that if for any shape, form, or fashion, that if I participated in Whacking Day, that not only would I be chastised, but that I would be sent back to TDC for participating in an illegal activity activity was designed to uh, whacking day for politicians. It was just before the election. We were going to point out their failings. We were going to talk about uh, perhaps who's a better candidate, do this in an open public venue, and yet they said it was an illegal activity. Right, absolutely. That's what I was told. That was the way it was explained to me when they called me. Now, they weren't willing to tell me who they were. Uh, all they were willing to tell me is that they were an officer of the state and that they had heard wind that I was participating in an illegal drug, uh, drug promotional activity and that, you know, my, my freedom would be taken away from me just for participating in any way. Our goal is to take control of these drugs away from the criminal gangs, from the cartels, and from the terrorists. And yet, we're the ones that are illegal. Right. There was no actually actual illegal activities. It wasn't a great smoke out. It wasn't anything like that going on. There wasn't anything but exposure to the lunacy of what's going on as far as the drug war being fought here in America. And mainly my objective as Mr. K or now Tony King is to go ahead and get all the information publicly that I can in the local area because that's going to be my focus for the near future. You'll be hearing from me on a regular basis. I'm going to let them, everybody know what's going on in this area. The wars of eternity must be kept alive at any cost. The war of terror is the war on drugs with afterburners. Untrustworthy snitches lead to chemical weapons and eternal wars causing endless and needless hardship 
disease and death. The government attack on the evil ones, mostly people of color, purported to possess these weapons of mass destruction, which threaten our very society. Freedoms supposedly fought for are eroded, denied, and held in abeyance till that magical day when all druggies, terrorists, and evil ones are dead. And nobody will ever again use drugs or make a chemical compound not approved by the president. Then we will once again ring the bell of liberty for all. In closing, a welcome to WIUS of Maycomb, Illinois, and WCCH of Holyoke, Massachusetts, our 66th and 67th affiliate. You know, I'm really looking forward to the day that you pick up this burden of truth and carry it to success in ending this monstrosity of drug war. For Engineer Philip Guffey and the whole Drug Truth Network, this is Dean Becker urging you to investigate the century of lies. I remember nothing